It's the new Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth Vader sold separately. Capture them alive! I'm the best bounty hunter in the whole galaxy. That's why you got the job. Boba Fett has a see-through helmet with play rangefinder to locate your objective. You can move his legs, knees, arms, even wrists and elbows. His backpack unit is removable. You have your mission. Good luck. I don't need luck. I'm the best. New Boba Fett Star Wars large-size action figure from Kenner. Darth Vader sold separately. Thank you for tuning in to a very special episode of Talking Bay 94. I'm your host, Brandon Winerdy, and today is Talking Bay 94, episode 94. So I wanted to do something special, especially after the announcement of the Book of Boba Fett series, as well as the very sad news of Jeremy Bullock's passing last week. Over the past few years of this show, we've been able to interview a lot of the cast and crew members who have put on the Mandalorian armor, who have helped design it, or who have helped bring it to life in other ways. What follows is a brief, chronological look at bringing Boba to the screen for the original trilogy, from 1978 to the 1997 special editions, using clips from our past 94 episodes to do so. Beforehand, I'll be introducing the people who will be talking, and there will also be some select archival clips from people we may not have been able to interview. If any of these seem interesting, definitely go back through our episode library to hear their full stories. So let's all just buckle up, then listen to these talented people talk about their experience with everyone's favorite buckethead. This is Talking Bay 94, Episode 94, The Book of Boba Fett, an oral history of the bounty hunter. Designed by Joe Johnston, Ralph McQuarrie, and Norman Reynolds, the quote, super trooper armor was then made physical by molding it onto the late Alan Harris, who ended up playing a different bounty hunter, Bosk. Well, it was going to be a super trooper. Mm-hmm. The idea was uh, he, he would jump out of Darth Vader's ship and go down to the planet with a rocket in the back and uh, shoot up people and then zoom back with a rocket on his back uh, to the spaceship. Right. That, that was a simplistic version mm-hmm. of it. Um, I didn't know about this uh, rocket on the back until and the flamethrower <laughs> on the wrist until... Because uh, it... it, it it was a series of fittings. Right. Uh, they made up a, another unarmed piece and the body piece and so on. And it was a series of these fittings right. uh, to show the photographs. And they went off to Hollywood and uh, were checked out by George and uh, et cetera, other people over there as well as people here. And uh, so it, it all worked out very well. Mm-hmm. The assistant editor of The Empire Strikes Back, Emmy Award winner Dwayne Dunham, was on the premises and also famously was the first person stateside to wear the all-white prototype armor, as well as the person who made Boba's first public appearance at the San Anselmo County Fair in 1978. Nobody, nobody, trust me, nobody knew that Star Wars would go on and continue to be impactful today. I want to say it was, yeah, it was before Empire because... Boba Boba Fett was an interesting new character, and I think it was a character that many thought would would rival in popularity Han Solo and Luke himself. And Norman Reynolds came over. He was a production designer 
uh, in England, and he came over and he carried, hand-carried that white Boba Fett suit because Boba was a super trooper. And it just, there just weren't very many people, you know, at that time it was me and Ben Burt and uh, technician Howie Hammerman. I think it was the three of us and George was there. And of course, Norman and, you know, George look, took one look at this and, and looked at me and said, put this on, you're about this size, go yeah. you know, put this on. And so th- that's it. And Ben gr- uh, grabbed a camera and he shot some stuff. And and it was just, what does this thing look like? And it had a flamethrower on the arm and it had a jet pack on the back. And But it was all white. And, and, you know, I think George thought it was too much like a stormtrooper. And he then asked, uh, I think it was Joe Johnston, uh, to paint it up. And, you know, we put a, we grabbed a Star Wars towel that was in one of the cutting rooms and used that as a cape. And it, you know, kind of took on some semblance of, of uh, you know, a spaghetti Western. And as a matter of fact, in Empire, Ben put spurs on Boba Fett. When he walks, if you listen, ching, ching, ching. <laughs> Okay, we'd like to introduce Boba Fett, and here he is, a new character. Uh, can you speak to us, Boba? Certainly. Boba has sort of a radio voice. There's a speaker built into him here, and also there's a certain amount of telemetry going on and a certain amount of feedback for some reason, and he can look through this device here and, and sight on various targets and so on. And there's some little optics and some little lights that blink on and off. There's actually two red lights. I guess there's a number of different weapons. There's the uh, the, the rifle, the uh, laser submachine gun, more or less. There's a flamethrower here. Why don't we get a close-up of that aspect here? Okay, it's this uh, structure right here. And I guess what? There's some igniters in the front here that ignite uh, propane gas, and it'll shoot out. On top, this is a dart throwing device, uh, rather deadly, and there's other mechanics and electronics uh, related to that there. These also shoot some sort of darts, projectiles from each knee. There's pockets down on the uh, front of the legs here to uh, store various uh, tools and other uh, accessories. Oh yes, on the feet we have, are these blades that kick out? At one time I thought that's what they were going to be. Are these also spikes just for kicking? There was this Marin Days uh, parade in San Anselmo where where the studio was at the time and Vader and Boba were going to be the marshals of this parade. And it was about a million degrees. I don't even remember who was wearing the Vader mm-hmm. suit, but I can tell you at a certain point, I said to Gary Kurtz, I said, Gary, I, we got to get out of this, man. We're like, <laughs> yeah. we're going to die in these suits. It's just Jeez. really, really hot. And he'd say, just a, just a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> just a little bit more. <laughs> You know, nobody, again, nobody thought anything of it. It just was our, our local little town, small town parade. And, you know, Vader was the was the star, but here was Boba Fett. Nobody had seen Boba Fett before and wondered, who is this guy? And then you, you say, oh, he's an intergalactic bounty hunter. Bruce Nicholson won the Special Achievement Academy Award for his work on The Empire Strikes Back, but was also working when they initially repainted the Boba costume so he had the honor of appearing in a few key test photos featuring the newly scuffed-up armor. I would love to switch gears just slightly because Mm -hmm. there is a a secondary element of your Empire involvement that was 
small, but it has kind of turned into a life of its own, which are the pictures of you in the Boba Fett costume. Oh, yeah. Johnston. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's just so funny. But I'd love, I mean, like, I, I'm sure it was just a day, but I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about that experience of putting on that helmet and kind of becoming Boba Fett for, for a day. Well, I think Joe designed the costume. And so he needed somebody to model it when they did the prototype. And so he asked me to do it. I mean, I guess I had the right proportion or whatever. I don't know. And mm-hmm. so I said, sure. And um, so I did. I put the put it on and, you know, and they did a bunch of stills to, I guess, to show George is sort of, you know, what it would actually photograph like. And I don't know how, but people got a hold of it, you know, 30 years <laughs> later and... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's just you never know. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's just the funniest thing because it's like not only did you do some incredible, incredible effects work, but then people are like, "Oh, look at this picture of you in a Boba Fett costume. Yeah. Can you can you sign this, please?" Yeah, it's pretty funny. Of course, the first time most fans got to see Boba Fett in action was during the animated segment of the 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special, Nelvana's "The Story of the Faithful Wookiee." John Celestri was the animator for the now pastel bounty hunter. The way it worked out is that there were, there were two things that, that Lucas wanted. One was that we had to use referencing heavy metal magazine, a Mobius, okay? That was a reference for, for style. Uh, for the actual design, um, that we had the black and white Boba Fett videotape. Well, it was really a Stormtrooper uh, white costume. That was the first thing. And, you know, he was called Boba Fett at that time, yes, of course. Uh, but you know, it was only black and white. There were no, there was no color. It was, a, it was a white stormtrooper at right. you know, the reference. So we had the colors, and I think they, you know, I mean, Lucas had to okay basic colors. But if you look at how clean the Star, the holiday special Boba Fett is, it is very, very pastelly. It referred to the Mobius sense of design. Okay. Now you got to remember another thing is. In the mid-70s, you still had a vast majority of TV sets who were still black and white. So the tonality of, of the colors had, that had to be chosen, you know, had to read on a very small screen in black and white and grays. A lot of the stuff that you see today on TV, if you put it into black and white on a very small screen, I don't think it reads. So a lot of the designs, you know, you have the characters, you know, having to pop off of the screen, right. off of the backgrounds. So anyway, uh, the, the referencing was, again, uh, the, the design, the graphic uh, design was of, of from Mobius, and the reference was the live action thing. And, and I think maybe one or two pencil sketches of design work mm-hmm. might have been used, referenced, just to have an idea of how things work so that we didn't have to just... Totally just look at the video. What is it, Master Luke? I'm not sure. You saved my life. Thank you. You are alone. I have two droids. We've come in search of a ship that crashed near here. Maybe I can help you. I am Boba Fett. The ship you seek is nearby. Are the Imperial troops near this planet? They are here, friend. And growing more powerful. How far away? Settle down. <laughs> All they do is eat. When you go through that, if you realize how simple design is of the Boba Fett. So we just had to know what 
elements, basic elements. He had the jet pack and a, and a gun. And there was, a, I called it the tuning fork <laughs> rifle <laughs> because basically that's what that was. Oh, and uh, scalps and what have you. And the, you know, sure. he had, he had, a, he had a, a Captain Marvel, you know, off the shoulder uh, cape or what have you. So th- that was, the, that was the, the basic elements that uh, Lucas gave the studio to work with. The, the the actual four poses, four or five poses that were done as the as a basic model sheet was done by Frank Nissen, who was the lead designer and uh, layout guy and uh, at Nelvana. He did that. Then I took that element, those elements, and then I ran them through my pencil to get an idea of how the character would move around. We didn't have much time to to play around with it. It was all being done on the fly. So I took Boba Fett and said, okay, he moves like, you know, the man with no name from the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Clint Eastwood spaghetti westerns. And so mm-hmm. if you'll notice, it's very minimal work, but his there's a tilt, head tilt of the of the for the helmet. So you you could you could do you know facial expression sort of with just moving the helmet back you know up and down in a certain mm-hmm. way to when the, when when the visor would go down, it could say that he you know he could be angry, tilt up a bit of you know and tilt up up to the right and to the left and up a little bit, maybe be quizzical. There's a lot of you could do there, but it was all in the hands and the and the gesture and, and moving in that way, using the tonality of the voice that the actor was was giving. Because there's no lip sync. Right. So that was the challenge to do it. And and to, as long as he was physical, I think the the biggest physicality was is, is Boba sitting as a as a Bedouin, a person on on a camel with with his gun, but he still is moving around a bit. He, he shifts a little bit, and then he whacks his beast with with a gun twice, and that sets the tone for Boba Fett. This is all we have, but uh, he's welcome to it. You are foolish to waste your kindness on this dumb creature. No lower life form is worth going hungry for, friend. It will be easy to find the ship you seek. Follow me, friend. As it happens. Um, it was written out of the script before they got to uh, starting filming uh, with, on Empire. But they uh, wrote in a new character uh, to Boba Fett, so they took the costume from uh, the Storm Super Trooper, then changed the colour of it, battered it as though it had been in battles and wars. It was uh, made it look as though it really had been in battles and wars, and. The person that was chosen, the actor that was chosen, was Jeremy Bullock. Thank goodness, because he's the nicest guy in this soppy industry we work in. And uh, he's a lovely guy. And um, uh, I've, I've enjoyed his company many times over the last 40-odd years. And, of course, played on screen for the majority of the sequel to Star Wars, the man we all associate with Boba, the late, the great Jeremy Bullock, began filming at Elstree Studios in the summer of 1979, along with some supplemental scenes from John Morton while he was acting in a play. We unfortunately never got to interview him, but here is a brief clip with the wonderful man from a 2001 StarWars.com webisode for Attack of the Clones. And the very first day was... um a scene with all the bounty hunters and I really all I was doing was just standing and looking at Darth Vader occasionally no disintegration as you wish 
I remember my younger son saying, um, isn't it funny you put a bucket over your head, Dad, and, uh, you know, and people think you're rather cool. He's all yours, bounty hunter. It was very exciting because the first real science fiction film I'd done. Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. Human, yes. Um, origin, unknown. Planet, unknown. He was quite a special character. It's the mystery behind this uniform. You need to see the film several times to think, why does he wear this death head on his epaulette? Legendary matte artist Harrison Ellenshaw was also responsible for helping to bring Boba's iconic ship, Slave One, to life, especially on the Cloud City landing platform. The Slave One, designed by Nilo Rodas and Ralph, but Nilo really was the guy who just came up with it and you know, he and Joe Johnston, there would be no Empire Strikes Back with, I mean, again, the dream team. These are people who could do anything, everything, and do it extremely well. So the model makers uh, had uh, Slave One. Nilo had done some of the final painting on it and made it look, you know, and so Joe, I, I thought, you know, and I'd used this trick before sometimes with success sometimes not but i thought well i'm not going to paint it so we took it outside and i took a photograph of it with a hasselblad i can't remember the details of the model outside in the cross light the setting sun because it that's what it was supposed to be you know cloud city was all to be bathed in magic hour look. Then I, I went and I got a, th that photograph blown up and pasted it onto a piece of glass. Wow. Then just went in and kind of fussed with it a little bit. I painted the landing platform from scratch, put the photo on, and then I also cut out the cockpit because the photograph would show the background. So I cut out the cockpit and then airbrushed a little bit and put the highlight in. It, it sounds like a logical thing to do, but mm -hmm. you don't get you don't get extra points. You know, people don't come and say, "Wow, gosh, that shot looks looks almost good," but it's, it must have been so hard. So we'll give them a break. No, you don't get a break. <laughs> you either make it perfect, and you don't get. It's not like a diving competition. You don't multiply it times the degrees of difficulty. Make it easy on yourself because you've got another 84 shots you've got to be working on as well. Moving into Return of the Jedi, Mr. Bullock shared the helmet with some stunt actors, including Bob Yerkes, Glenn Randall Jr., and veteran stuntman Dickie Beer. Originally, I was only supposed to be a Barada mm -hmm. and uh, a rebel soldier mm -hmm. and stormtrooper and a biker scout mm -hmm. and then when we came to the location in um, Yuma Arizona the Sarlacc pit location uh, the first couple of days of rehearsals a lot of the stunt guys ended up in hospital with broken legs and broken arms and uh, then when we started filming the, we were short of people and also the guy that was supposed to be in the Boba Fett outfit and the Gamorrean guard, um, they were not there. Mm -hmm. They were in the hotel, yeah. enjoying their laying around the pool <coughs> with their arms in, and legs in plaster. 
So they looked at me and they said, you're about the right size for both of those characters. Go and put on that blue costume or yeah. gray costume, whatever they called it. And that happened to be Boba Fett. And if it wasn't for a colleague of mine ended up in hospital, I would never have been in that costume. I do think George was a little disappointed with 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 Boba Fett, the introduction in Empire, and then he just didn't come off very well at all in in return. And I remember one day, George, we were in the cutting room, and he said, "Throw Boba in the pit. Let's get rid of him." And everybody said, "Wait a minute! You can't do that. That's Boba Fett. You can't get rid of him. Just toss him in the pit. Now toss him in the pit. Get rid of him." And and they couldn't get rid of him. You know, the, the public struck a nerve. And, you know, he's, he's the very, very popular character in the lore of Star Wars. For an entire generation, people have experienced Star Wars the only way it's been possible, on the TV screen. But if you've only seen it this way, you haven't seen it at all. Now, for its 20th anniversary, The Adventure of a Lifetime returns to the big screen in a way you've never seen before. There'll be no one to stop us this time. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. With newly enhanced visual effects. They're coming in too fast! THX and digital sound. And a few new surprises. The Star Wars Trilogy Special Edition. See it again for the first time. The special editions of the original trilogy saw Boba being further inserted into both Episode 4 and Episode 6. ILM animator and CG artist Mark Austin was brought in to portray the bounty hunter for the new Docking Bay 94 sequence with Jabba the Hutt. This was, uh, I believe it was December 6th was the day, and they split the day up into two halves. The morning was going to be the opening shot of where I just have to walk in from off-screen and stop. Mm-hmm. The afternoon was going to be the more complicated shot where I had a start position, I had to walk to a second position, stop, turn, and walk to a third position, all without looking at those marks on the floor. Not that you can see much anyway, but that's how they divided the, 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 the day up. And so I remember when I f- first went for the morning shoot, they had a problem with the silhouette for the rifle, the, the blaster. Mm-hmm. And Steve Williams, who uh, animated... Uh, Jabba the Hutt was actually directing the live action shoot. Steve had a problem with the silhouette, and so I'd been practicing and, and studying how uh, Jeremy Bullock walked in uh, in a best spin and looking at the kind of the head turns as he turned corners, and the pace he walked at, um, the kind of the menacing kind of gait that he used. And so when Steve had a problem with the rifle, he was saying, no, you have to hold it. It's really awkward angle imagine if you instead of walking the normal way you walk that you twisted your upper body 45 degrees to the side and then cranked your arms around as far as they could go that's that's how i had to walk onto the set but make it look like that's how i always walked or that was a, a casual comfortable way to walk because cranking your my body around and then my arms over gave me a really good silhouette for that blaster sticking outside. I always imagined it to be a disaster, this shot, this opening shot, because it just felt so awkward. I felt like I 
was trying my best to appear comfortable walking this way, but it was it wasn't like any anything I'd ever done before, and I'm, I'm amazed at how it turned out. It turned out fine at the time. Just walking it and walking and walking it, I was more and more convinced that this shot was messed up. Uh, as it turned out, it was fine, and the afternoon shoot was by far way more fun to do. Just having a piece of tape on the blue screen that was meant to be Harrison Ford's eyeline was just like, wow, I feel like I somehow connected to the original movie, you know, to Harrison Ford, you know. I've got some connection, albeit a piece of tape on the blue screen. And everyone everyone would, would say, why are you looking at camera in that shot? And I, I'm not looking at camera, I'm looking as far as I can to my left. But obviously you can only turn your head so far around and then your eyes do the rest. So my eyes are looking screen left, but the T visor lines straight up with camera. Mm. And this was the eleventh take, and George just like fell in love with that take. He was like, "This is the one. I don't care about the rest. This is the one. This is the one I want. Mm -hmm. This is this is in the movie." And so they rejected all the other takes and just went for that end one. Uh -huh. But he loved the fact that it looked like I was looking at the, the camera. <laughs> And finally, special effects artist, model maker, and droid wrangler Don Bees, then working in the Lucasfilm archives, suited up as Boba Fett for the extended Jabba's Palace scenes in Return of the Jedi. The, the notoriety that's come because of has taken me by surprise because it was a last minute thing. I'm sure you heard this story, you know, where we, we, uh, we were shooting the, the sequence and George came up with the idea before lunch and then Rick McCallum, the producer came over and because he knew that I was at worked at the archives. He says, right. is there a costume at the archives? And I said, yeah, I think I could pull one together. And he, so I went up at lunchtime. Somebody drove me up to the ranch while I ate my lunch in the car while everyone else got to eat their lunch. You know, I pulled together all the pieces and that, you know, I, I, I hear relentless criticisms of the quality of that costume. It's like, well, I, I had like 10 minutes to pull it together. Right. <laughs> And um, and I didn't know it that well. I mean, I knew I knew what the parts were, but right. I didn't. You know, I was mixing, matching, grabbing whatever mm -hmm. whatever we could find. And as a matter of fact, the backpack I had on had a big like fabricated scar in it because it was supposed to be post explosion when oh, he flies wow. off. That's why in the scene I walked kind of funny. I walked sideways because I didn't want to turn my back to the yeah. camera because you'd see this big mess of a backpack it, it, on the day. It was the last one of the last things. It was the last thing I think we shot, mm -hmm. and it was a really long day. It was really hot in the studio. We were just sweating a lot, and I think it was like June or July we shot that. And so it was just kind of like, okay, let's get this over with. Yeah. Uh, uh, but like I said, it's taken on a life of its own since. I think it's probably one of my favorite behind the scenes photos ever. Right? It's just you very casual with the mask off, Boba <laughs> Fett. Like that is just the perfect, the perfect picture. Yeah, I, I, my my son is very proud of the fact that you know the, the you know it's like hey look it's someone's dad is Boba Fett and, and, and you know there's some every every few years it seems to go viral again all of a right. sudden the picture it, matter of fact what one year when it did it, it he's like well it's not just anyone's dad that's my dad. <laughs> <laughs> And that will do it. Hopefully you enjoyed the celebratory mini-oral history of the men behind the mask. And thank you all for your continued support of Talking Bay 94. 
2021 is going to be a huge year for the show with a lot of surprises, and I can't wait to share them with you all. As always, it is so appreciated if you can leave a five-star rating and a review wherever you listen to podcasts. But until next time, stay tuned, leave that five-star review, and may the force be with you.